okay, so it's really fun to hear about where some of you guys are have been coming in from. Um, I flew in, which I thought was going to be a, a lot faster and easier, and it definitely wasn't 30 hours. Um, y'all, y'all win. That two-day travel is just insane. Uh, but I do. I have an 18-month-old Clark, who some of you saw a second ago. Um, uh, he's the light of my life. I love him. He's so sweet and cute. Um, he's a tank. He's. I, I feel like I should have bigger muscles than I do. Um, but so we're from St. Louis. Hence my blues jersey. Yeah. Um, so if you don't uh, do sports, or if you are not, for, uh, maybe if you're from the south, I didn't know about hockey until I moved out of the south. Um, this is hockey. This is the sport we're talking about. Um, in St. Louis, their team, the Blues, just won the highest thing you can win in hockey for the first time ever. Um, really big deal. Nobody thought they could do it. Um, we had a parade on Saturday. My husband and I went to with just hundreds of thousands of people. Like I'm not joking. It was hundreds of thousands. Of people. So it's the, um, it's the hockey version of like the Cubs? Hockey version of the Cubs. No. Kind of. Because I'm from uh, the Cardinals team, that kind of like ranks me a little bit. Yeah. Can't, no, can't say yes, but yes, that underdog feel of like coming through and beating is awesome. Beat the Boston Bruins in game seven. There's only seven games you can play right down to the wire. We almost shut them out. It was awesome. Um, so I am repping my St. Louis Blues today um, instead of wearing a sweatshirt, um, which I obviously didn't need because it's starting to warm up. Uh, all right. Well, I don't know. Maybe I'll see somebody just open the door for him. Um, okay, so I grew up in the South uh, in Tennessee uh, for most of my life and then moved to St. Louis after I got married to a St. Louisan named Dave Wilkinson, who is the man. Um, we, I went to Covenant Seminary, got my degree in counseling, and that's what I do now when I'm, um, and I'm also a mom to Sweet Clark. Would you mind just open the form? Um, I don't know why it locks. Um, yeah, so I've been in St. Louis for about eight years now. I've fully embraced hockey. I love it. Um, my brother's super weirded out that I get excited about a sport, because growing up I did not care at all. Um, so, yeah, I have a dog. His name is Nilo. He's a beagle. Super sweet, super affectionate, um, and has no concept of personal boundaries at all. Um, so I miss him. He's obviously not able to be out here with us. Um, I grew up at RYM. Um, so my dad, you'll probably know, some of you might know his name is Joey Stewart. He's on the board of RYM. Um, my family, we've been interns. I've been able to teach for a few years. My mom has taught. We, she's been like the moms of the interns for a lot of years. So I, I love RYM been a part of my life as long as I can remember in different ways. Um, how many guys, I think, if y'all, if there are seats in the middle, can y'all just scoot in a little bit so some of these guys can grab some outside seats? And then we might have to reopen up that door because there's more people this time. Well, that one back there actually has, like, real air, which would be nice. Can somebody in the back, I know I just asked you to close it, but just kind of prop open that door, because it's what? Um, so I want to be really upfront with you guys about kind of where I'm coming at. I'm starting to wake up a little bit, because I got my adrenaline in that first class. That poor first class got me like, um, no coffee. They couldn't find the coffee. Um, but so last night, again, I didn't drive 30 hours, but I have a little boy, um, and we were supposed to fly here about 7, 7.30, which was already going to be a little difficult because it's bedtime. And then our flight was delayed for three hours. So we got in about 2.30 last night, um, and I woke up this morning to discover I started my period. So it's just been a really exciting 24 hours. Um, so what's gonna happen is that, I, I mean, I, I hope that I would be very real and authentic with you guys anyway, but you're gonna get a little less filtered than I maybe would have sometimes, so I'm gonna apologize in advance. 
because I am tired and I am off my period. So just kind of knowing all that, if you guys give me some grace as we go into today, I'm going to try and get us into this. So um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to kind of jump into um, this class about loneliness. Um, so you're in a class about loneliness, okay? If that's not where you wanted to be, well, too late. It's going to take you 20 minutes to find another class because we're way up here. Um, so yeah, we're going to start talking about loneliness today. Um, so I'm going to pray for us real quick. Dear Lord, um, I thank you for each uh, each woman in this room. I pray that you give me clarity of mind and heart, Lord, that you, the words that I need to speak and that they need to hear, that my heart needs to hear, that you would give me those, Lord. Um, that Holy Spirit would just be very tangible and move in this room with us, um, God, as we explore something that is really painful, but something we all experience. Um, I pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so today... Um, this class about loneliness. We're going to start with a pretty basic question, okay? Can everybody hear me okay when I talk with this? Okay. We're going to start with a pretty basic question of why do we even have it? Why does it exist? Okay? We're going to start and end our um, time together each day, if we have time, with a song called Out of Hiding or Father's Song, okay? By a woman named Stephanie Gritzinger. Um, and I really like her a lot. So uh, in the future, I'm hoping to have handouts for you guys so you can see the lyrics. But for right now, we're just going to listen.
high school and middle school for me were um, very lonely times, times where I felt very different, like I didn't fit, and I couldn't really find where I belonged. Right? Um, it's part of what makes this class very personal for me, um, and I wonder if by, si by signing up it's something that is personal for you guys as well. Um, we're going to dive into the scripture now. Um, if somebody could read for me Genesis 1, 26 through 28. It's just a couple of verses. Um, and just whoever can get there first, just shout it out. Real loud, they're right here. Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 28. And God created man in his own, own image, and the image of God created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. Okay, so I'm going to read Genesis 2, 18, just one verse, 2, 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Okay, there's a couple of things I want you guys to notice right off the bat about these verses. One, okay, I, this is a class about loneliness, I thought, right? Why are we talking about, like, creation and not being, it says it is not good to be alone, right? We're starting off talking about loneliness because the reason we have it is that we were created for something different. We were created for relationship with the Lord and with each other, right? It is a way that we reflect God himself. If you guys notice in that first passage that she read so clearly for us, it says, let us make man in our image, okay? We are not going to get into the doctrine of the Trinity in this class. My degree does not cover that. <laughs> but what I want you to notice is that God himself is in constant relationship. He's in us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is always connected. We are meant to reflect that in our relationship with him and other people. So that longing that you have to belong that longing for relationship, regardless of how it shows up, the longing itself is godly, okay? Please don't hear me say that all the ways we pursue that longing are godly, right? That's not true. But the longing itself, that is from Jesus and a part of your created self. There's a lady named Brittany Brown who I think is really cool. She is a researcher, a social researcher, who's done a lot of work in the past, gosh, it's probably not five years, five to seven years. Um, big name, if you look up like TED Talks, all stuff. she has a ton of books, you'll probably find some on the book table that Ken has so amazingly put up for us. But she has this quote that I think fits really well here, really gives a good sense of what we're talking about. A deep sense of love and belonging is an irreducible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, spiritually wired to love and to be loved and to belong. And what we're about to find out, right, with loneliness, is that when those needs are not met, we don't function 
like we're meant to. We break, we fall apart, we numb, we ache, we hurt other people, we get sick. We were meant to be completely known, every single part of you, completely understood, accepted, and adored. That is what we were created for, and that is what Adam and Eve have in common. But, it's not the way it is now, right? I don't know if I was saying all those completely words, right? Adored, accepted, understood. I don't know about for y'all, but that does not describe my life at any point. There may have been people that I connect with more. There may have been people that I'm like, oh yeah, you get me. But not once have I feel like I have showed, buried my soul, showed my whole self, the deepest, darkest parts of me, and had someone say, I love you. Every part of you. Why? What happened? Genesis 3. I'm going to read and kind of just um, paraphrase for us because it's pretty lengthy. Um, so it starts with, this is the next chapter, right after what we just read about being created and adored and loved and completely understood and naked and unashamed, all the good stuff, right? Literally the next chapter. Now the serpent, um, in the, I'm going to explain this a little bit. Um, I'm going to assume that we all know what we're talking about. The serpent in, in the Bible is a name for God's great enemy. His name is Satan, okay? So that's what they're referring to when they say the serpent. He came in the form of serpent. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat the fruit of the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Neither shall you touch, at least you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, delight to the eyes, and to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband, who was standing right there. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed leaves together and made loincloths. I'm sure that's very covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. Because remember, the context is, this is a place where they literally got to be in, like, they, they hung out with God. They hung out with him. They walked in the garden. They did stuff with him. So he comes walking in the garden in the cool of the day like normal. Man and wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord among the trees. But the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? He said, I heard the sound of you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, the woman who you gave me, she gave me the fruit and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And so then the Lord goes through and he curses each of them. There's a consequence for the sin that they have enacted. And for the serpent, he says, at one point, I will be enmity between you and the woman, between your, your offspring and hers. So between Satan and mankind, there is now a battleground, an eternal battleground. And the offspring of the woman shall crush Satan's head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will multiply your pain in childbearing, preach, and pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he cursed the ground and said that you will sweat because of it, you will eat uh, by the sweat of your face will eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, you were dust, and the dust you will return. 
The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing good and evil. Now at least you reach out his hand and also take the tree of life and eat and live forever in this cursed state. The Lord God drove him out of the garden to work the ground. He drove out the man in the east of the garden. He placed a cherubim, which is an angel, a warrior, with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the tree of life. Okay, I know that's a lot of words, guys. But what happens, the core of what happens in that piece, that chapter, is sin. Sin is when we violate, when we break the loving commandments of our Father, of God. That's what causes loneliness. Now please don't hear what I'm not saying. Loneliness in of itself is not sinful. That feeling is not sinful. It is a product of sin and living in a broken world. We would not have it if it weren't for the fall that we just read about. What was meant to point us to God became twisted and broken. Where there was supposed to be perfect relationship, there's now separation and loneliness and even death. Where we walked with God naked and unashamed, now we hide behind any flimsy cover we can find. One way that I think about this um, is that I kind of imagine my lonely part um, as a part of myself. My loneliness is a part of myself, right? And, you know, she kind of looks like she hasn't showered in a few days. And she, her eyes are kind of downcast, and she's constantly looking around, seeing if anybody is around, and if she's going to connect with anybody. She's very fidgety, right? That part of myself, my lonely part, um, I would really prefer that nobody else see her, right? I don't want anybody else to know that that's something I got going on. So I find this nice little comfy room internally. Just shut her up in there. Just stay in there. And we all tend to find guards for this lonely room to present to the world so that nobody else knows, nobody else can see what's going on inside of us, right? I'm gonna give a couple examples of some um, guards that I have experienced personally and that I've witnessed. I would love if anything occurs to you guys. Um, if anything occurs to you guys while I'm talking, if you think of some more that I'm not thinking of, I would love to hear from you. I also know it's the first day, but I just want y'all to know that this is an interactive class going forward. <laughs> so if something comes to mind, please shout it out. Um, so one of the first guards that I think about and that I have used um, when trying to cover and hide my loneliness is indifference, right? Have you ever seen this? Have you ever felt this? Um, someone hurts you. Someone betrays you. Feeling lonely has intensified and you feel like you have no friends. I don't care. I don't need anybody. I am fine all by myself. That person that just hurt me, whether it be my, my best friend who decided that we're not best friends anymore, all on her own, didn't really care about her anyway. Whatever, I'll go find a new best friend. Maybe it's a boyfriend who is a complete jerk or something else. And you're like, whatever, it's fine. Didn't need him anyway. I don't need no man. Um, this indifference part, right, can be very intense and very isolating, but it comes off really strong, right? It can really mask as empowerment, right? I'm Wonder Woman. You saw that, right? You saw her. Yes, female power. I got this. I don't need anybody. Please don't hear me saying that I'm not all about female power, okay? 
love it. I love being a woman. I believe that being a woman is so incredible in such a way that you show amazing things about how who God is, right? That guys can't. But what is very dangerous for us, I think, is that we tend to isolate ourselves. We say, no, I got this. I don't need anybody. You can't hurt me. And we use that as an excuse to push people away and to never show who we really are. That's when it becomes harmful, right? When we hold everybody at a distance and we never let anybody get close. Because if I can't, if you don't get close, then you can't hurt me. So that's one of the guards that I've used in my life to hide my loneliness, to hide my pain. Another one that I think is pretty common and that I've seen um, is, I, I call it the social butterfly, okay? High school, this was massive for a couple of my friends. Um, this is the person, we'll call her Sarah, um, who you would never guess in a million years that she was ever lonely, right? She knows all the people. She goes to all the events. She's friends with everyone and everyone loves her. And yet that social butterfly connected, always keep the calendar busy. It's just another way that she shows that she hides from the world how achingly alone she feels and completely misunderstood. So indifference and social butterfly. Is there anything else that comes up for you guys that you've experienced or other people? Yeah. Um, I know this about myself and about like other people. It was more like when I was a bit younger. Uh -huh. But I always kind of hid behind my books. So I would always be like, yeah, well, they don't want me to be done. I'm like, I don't look like them. At least like, like, Absolutely. No, I'm always like trying to be like, no, it's fine because I'm free. That's a great. That's a great example. So there are times where, um, and, and and like I said, this is going to be so unique, and that's why I want to hear from you guys. There's for some of y'all, it's a you know what? I didn't need them anyway. Look at me. I'm gorgeous. <laughs> I will go find new people. Okay, right? Like you, I got this. Right? So it kind of gets into that. That's for sure something that I think a bunch of us can relate to. Yeah. Well, I kind of partially do the, the thing with the knowing lots of people because like I search for somebody who would want to hang out with me mm -hmm. more than everyone else because like I have tons of friends but they all have and even though they like me they have other friends they like me more you know mm -hmm. so, so I don't have that friend who likes me the most yeah. even though I have friends I like the most I'm never number one most. Right? I'm, yeah yeah but also like another thing that at least I do and I'm sure a lot of other people do is like just joke about it and laugh about oh, it oh yeah humor it's funny. <laughs> you think that hurt my feelings no you're good I'm fine it's all funny and just like joke like, ha, ah, I'm so lonely, you know, whatever. Yeah, mask it. Mask it. Humor yeah. is a big, big one. That's a really important one that we all tend to fall into. Because again, it puts it a little bit further away from us, right? Yeah. It makes it feel a little less painful. But so that like friend competition thing can happen. Humor can happen. Yeah, I think just like going out and for friends, it's more like not necessarily knowing everybody keeps the schedule busy. It's more just trying to find somebody who will finally be that one who wants to spend their time with you, but, like, at least for me, yeah. it hasn't happened yet, so yeah. here I am. Yeah, if anybody's watched Grey's Anatomy, that's what this is making me think of. We're all searching for our Christina. We're all searching for our person, our soulmate, our friend who's going to understand us completely and that we can have dances with. It's going to be great. So we all think, and that's a huge expectation to put on a friendship, right? But we feel like that's what we need to fill the void. It's way back in the back there. I sometimes throw myself at work. Like, work. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Again, that kind of keeping busy. Well, this is my purpose. I have purpose here. This is what fills me up, right? This is how I'm going to hide that I'm lonely, is that I have so many shifts. 
right? I've got to, I'm sorry, I got I gotta work. You know, I don't have time for friendships, right? Over here. Sometimes, like, I always take a backpack with me, but really it's in case I get lonely or if I'm like, if I like, it's hard to, it's not hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, in case I get bored or in case I get like really lonely yeah. or stuff like that, I take a whole bunch of stuff to do even though I have the time yeah. I don't need. So. Oh, yeah. Again, looking kind of busy, um, iPhones. I can just like, I'm totally, I'm good. I'm good. I'm playing the game. I'm reading. I'm on social media. I'm not lonely. I'm fine. I got my phone. Or my books, like I said. Yeah. from the world that we're lonely. I want to hide it from myself. I don't want to feel it, right? It hurts too much. These are all great examples. Um, I, I want to say real quick that I, I'm not saying that social media and books and jobs and all other things that you guys have mentioned are bad things, right? No. Those are, some of those things are great things. They can become what consumes us. And we try to fill the lonely room with all that stuff. And it's like this void that no matter what you throw in, it's like a black hole. It just sucks it up and it's still empty and gaping, right? So if it, if it becomes our way of trying to connect, it's going to always fail us, okay? Those are great uh, ideas, uh, super examples of ways that we guard and hide our loneliness. Um, one of the things I was thinking about was, okay, we do that, but why, what are the feelings, what are the things behind that, the needs behind that, that kind of drive our desire to just whoop, hide our loneliness. The first one I thought about was fear. In the garden, one of the most dangerous things that was born was doubt, okay? Doubting God's wisdom, his power, his goodness. If y'all have read the Jesus Storybook Bible, I meant to bring it with me today, and I forgot it. Um, but she talks about, um, in the Jesus Storybook Bible, how one of the most insidious things that happen is that we start to question that God loves us. And if God doesn't love us, and if God isn't good and doesn't want our good, it's either because he's not good, or it's because I'm not worth it. And it's, that's the lie that Satan started with this doubt early, early on. And it's the same doubt and the same fear that is in us. We doubt that we're worth loving, or that we can even <coughs> love others. Well, maybe I have, a, maybe I have someone who's, who's my friend, and she's loved me really well, and I keep screwing it up. I can't give back the way that my friend gives to me. I can't do it. We're not smart enough. We're not pretty enough. We're not good enough. We're not talented enough. Not rich enough. Not enough, not enough, not enough, not enough. I fight the not enough fears daily. I even have RYM specific ones. A couple years ago, um, so like I said, my RYM story has been long. Um, and a big chunk of it was I would intern, right? Those are the awesome people that do literally every, everything that you guys don't see and some that you do. Um, and so I got to be a part of that really cool group for a lot of years. And a couple years ago, we were out here in Colorado, and one of the things that we all do is we take a hike the day before you guys get here, or two days before you guys get here, just to kind of group bond. Often, I don't think that was true this year, but often this is the first camp where we're all together and we're all really kind of, it's like it starts the season of RYM, right? And so we do this hike, and it's this big collaborative oomph. Well, two years ago, I was pregnant, and I wasn't telling anybody. It was really early on, okay? Um, and so I couldn't do the hike, right? And I immediately just had this piercing fear that I have anyway, because I'm not athletically confined. 
that they were going to think I was pathetic. That I wasn't brave enough to do the hike they were doing. That I didn't have enough stamina. That I wasn't enough. And that because I missed this hike, I was going to miss out on the bonding and connecting. Remember, the whole summer I was going to be on the outside of the group. I wouldn't have the memories, right? I wouldn't have that connection. I say that to you guys now, and it feels like, um, Ashley, one hike. I feel like you're going to be okay. Not going to determine the fate of the rest of your summer. But in the moment, that fear was so powerful. I wonder if y'all felt some more things even just coming on this trip. Man, on the drive up, I'm, I'm not going to find some of those things funny that the group does. I'm not going to bond on the trip the way that everybody else says we're going to get there. And I'm not going to fit in with the group the whole week. other thing that this situation triggered for me was shame. And I think that shame, so we talk about fear, I think shame is another big reason of why we want to hide our loneliness. Any guesses on what shame means? This is kind of a very, like, we just throw this word around, right? Trigger happy. Okay, yes? Um, kind of like that feeling of, like, I'm not this, like, in, I'm not good enough, I'm not yeah. perfect enough. So I'm I am usually not statements, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Anybody else? Either what is something that your shame voice says to you, or what's like a synonym? When you think of shame, you think of this other word. What else? I cannot do. Right there. So I said something right there. Guilt. Guilt. I cannot do it. Yeah? What are they What are they going to think of me? They kind of exchange them. Yeah, and I feel like they're not the same thing. We don't get there. Don't get hate yourself. Okay. Guilt. Yeah. They they feel incredibly similar, right? Yeah. Um, I can't do it. I'm not good enough. What are they going to think of me? Anything else? Just shout them out. Anxiety. Anxiety. Yes. about these statements that happen. They're very negative. Very negative and very all or nothing, right? There's no in between. Never get better. They will hate me. I am this, right? Yeah, this is great. Um, so shame presents itself and speaks differently to each of us, right? We all have our own little internal dialogue that happens that's just for us, right? Like our own personal poison. Um, I do want to touch on what um, she just nailed, that we often feel that guilt and shame are the same thing. We just use the terms interchangeably. Um, I do want to talk with you guys about how I really believe, biblically, that they are different. Okay? The difference between shame and guilt. Okay? Guilt um, is when we feel badly about something that we've done. It usually deals with, with our behavior. Um, 
So Gil will say, you know, that, that decision you just made, that was pretty unwise, that, you know, that's on you, and you should probably feel bad about that. Uh, an example of this for me would be when I was y'all's age, I snuck out a lot. Um, now, I did not wait till the dead of night and then, like, sneak out. I just simply lied about where I was going and who I was meeting with, right? Because I knew my parents wouldn't like it. I had a part of me that was like, uh, I kind of feel like that's not what you're doing. <coughs> Lying, first of all, not a good start. You probably, that's not okay. That part of me, that part of you that, that pricks your conscience almost, like, hey, that, that wasn't kind, that wasn't wise, that's guilt. This is all over the Bible, and here's the primary difference. One, guilt is more about what you've done or something that you've pursued, right? But it always encourages you. It always drives you towards people, towards relationship, towards the Lord, right? When God talks about repentance, guilt is usually a part of it, right? Guilt is usually that feeling right before you turn to the Lord and say, I am so sorry, take this, please. Of course, that feeling of guilt that someone else says something, and you feel guilty anyway, <laughs> It can be. It can be for sure. Sometimes that it can be twisted, right? Um, but often guilt is an when felt appropriately, when not put on you. That's a great point. Some people can put it on you. We'll get to that in a minute. When felt appropriately, guilt is something that says, you know, you did something wrong, and it pulls you into relationship, right? God never wants our guilt to push us away from him. He always, repentance is him doing this, hugging us, bringing us back. Right? Um, so, for example, um, with people, if I promised Sarah I was going to hang out with her on Friday and watch Gilmore Girls, which I know none of you do anymore, but you should, um, uh, and I go and I hang out with um, Grace instead, I've broken my word. That's on me. That was not kind. I owe Sarah an apology. Guilt is the thing that says, oh, I feel really awful, Sarah. Please forgive me. I'm moving towards her. Right? Shame, on the other hand, is what people were saying earlier. It's a, an identity statement. Instead of it being about the things that you've been doing or thinking or saying, it's about who you are. It places an identity on you that is not true. You lied to your parents about where you were going and who you were hanging out with. You are the worst daughter. No wonder they hate you. No wonder you get in such big trouble and they get so angry. You're it's that I am statement. There are a couple of things, a lot of things, like I said, that can trigger this for people. Maybe it's not lying to your parents. Maybe it's food. You ate dessert last night. <coughs> you got coffee instead of water this morning. Your first morning of our life. You know you can't afford to eat dessert. You know you can't afford to eat more than a third of your plate, you're fat, you're ugly, you are worthless. It's those I am statements that drive at you. If y'all do not hear anything else that I say today, I want you to hear this right now. So please, everybody look, look up here. When that voice starts for y'all, please know always, that is never Jesus. Not once is that God. Guilt, God can use to bring you to him. When you start having that voice that claims you and says you are this, that big all or nothing negative talk, that is from the devil. Okay? That is not God. That is not Jesus and it never will be. 
really passionate about that part, and then I lose my train of thought. <laughs> there are a lot of things that trigger shame for us. Remember in the garden, okay? I'm going to tie back to the garden. All the snake wanted to do was to separate Eve and Adam from God. He still wants to do that. That's still his primary goal. He wants to remember that battleground that I said that that Satan set up between himself, like that was part of the curse, right? He still wants that. He still wants to separate you from God. Um, can I have like five or six people just come in a group right here? You're not going to have to talk or anything. You're literally just, just, come, just come stand right here in a little cluster. Here we go. Here we go. just going to do a little interactive thing where we talk about it. some of what shame does to us and what shame wants. Why? Why do we think <coughs> Satan loves to use shame, okay? If his goal is to separate us from God, right? <laughs> Huddle, okay, cool. Um, what he wants to do is, um, you're the, he wants you to make you feel alone, right? So even though this is actually how we exist, he says, no, you're the only one that ever has feelings so big that you wish you just didn't have any feelings at all. You're the only one that walks into the lunchroom. This is a personal example. I know nothing about this. This is not about her. Personal <laughs> example. Walks into the cafeteria and you don't have a place to sit. So you go to the bathroom. You're the only one that ever does that. Um, you're the only one who ever lies to hide that you feel lonely. You're the only one that feels that way. Um, you're the only one that ever lashes out against your friends because you feel so concealed. You're the only one, they're all nervous. You're the only one that thinks. I mean, there's so many. There's so many. That thinks other people are idiots. You're the only one that thinks everybody around that thinks you're an idiot or thinks other people like. You're the only one that feels this. You're the only one. And so what he does is he pulls and he pulls and he pushes and he pulls and he pulls until we stand here and we think, I'm all alone. There's nobody else that feels this. Guilt makes us reach out. Shame makes us do this. So that we cannot see the people that are right near us or the goddess holding us. Okay. Thank you guys very much. You did a great job. Go sit down. Um, shame isolates us, making us want to hide deep inside where nobody can see the mess. Um, has anybody seen, or this is a better question, has anybody not seen Endgame that wants to see it? Okay, cool. I am not going to do any plot things. Okay, I'm going to talk about a specific character development and not give away any plot, I promise. We're going to talk about Thor. Um, okay, so Thor is my favorite character in this last movie. Wait, wait, come back, come back, come back. Thor is my favorite character in this last movie for a couple of reasons. One, he gets all the funny lines. It's hilarious. Two, he's so real. And this is different for me in this movie than Thor in other movies. Thor in other movies, kind of his appeal is that he's like super not real, right? There is nobody, even Chris Hemsworth, that is actually like Thor. Nobody. Not real. So in this one, it was like, ooh, I really resonate with that. That feels real. You see a character who blames himself for some things that happened in the other, the, the part one, okay? I'm not going to talk about what it was, but he blames himself, okay? So we see him at the beginning of this film. And the guilt and the shame, because he does have a little, some, some guilt, like appropriate guilt in there, but mostly shame, have been eating at him, or more accurately, he has been eating them, for months. <laughs> he isolates himself and hides himself beneath fantasy. 
video games, right? And alcohol and food, junk food. All of this to try and fill that void, that shame that's created for him, that loneliness. Trying to drown his aching heart and his piercing conscience between all these things, and yet nothing fills the void. In fact, it just makes it worse. So much so that he can't even tell the difference between that shame inner dialogue and what's true anymore. That's his truth now. So much so that when his best friends show up to give him hope and say, Man, all is not lost in my actions, he says, No, I can't. Get away from me. Don't talk to me. Get out. I don't want to hear it. Through the course of the film, Thor realizes, and it's just a beautiful thing to watch that. What binds and unites he and his friends together is that they are all feeling the pain of loss. They're all feeling shame. They're all feeling alone. And that that is actually what is holding them together. And when they start to come together about that, that's when they can make progress. And that's when they can Guys, the loneliness and the shame that you feel that say you are alone is actually what binds you together because you all feel so in those moments where you think you're alone, hear me say, everyone feels to some extent. This is often where we think we're stuck in the story. And in some ways we are. We're still experiencing the effects of sin and brokenness that started in the garden. In our friendships, in our personal lives internally, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Right? Hold it, underline it, calify that it is not supposed to be this way. But it's not the whole of where we are. Because what we just talked about is just the beginning of the story. So come back tomorrow for the second chapter. Thanks, guys. <laughs>